and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This week, I'm talking to Izzy Abulila about his stunning extra-long exposures, as well as some interesting experiences he's had along the way. Izzy likes to say that he's just a normal guy with a passion for photography, but he's much more than that. He can't help but rise before sunrise and head out into the dark, camera in hand, looking to capture the landscape in the pre-dawn gloom. He shoots exclusively with the Fuji medium format digital system. Specialising in the practice of long exposure, Izzy captures the often unseen beauty by the art of simplification, presenting a unique view of the world where time is expressed in physical form. Originally from Liverpool in the UK and now living in Australia, Izzy is dedicated to exploring and sharing iconic and lesser known locations around his local area and across Australia. He runs a popular YouTube channel where he shares his journey, approach and camera techniques and by doing so connects and learns from the viewer through comments and suggestions. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi Izzy, welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to chat. It's uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, Been following your stuff for quite some time and really pleased when you uh, said that you were happy to come on board and uh, so I, I guess let's start with what got you started how did you how did you get into photography and what what's your earliest photography memory uh yeah it was a it was a long long road um to photography I suppose um as, uh, as part of work um I worked in a art center uh, it was a college and arts centre. And having an IT background, I taught uh, IT to a whole heap of visual artists and music tech students. And one of the groups that, that I had to teach uh, basic IT to uh, were the photography students. And at that point, it was just, uh, I was just blown away with, uh, with the... Um, ability to create something that most people just walk past every single day and I think I think working with those those kids I think that stuck with me for quite a while so that was my my early 20s and you have to realize that I didn't actually own a camera until my mid 40s so I've only really had a camera for the past eight years before that yep just wasn't part of my uh, kit bag, so to speak, and uh, and 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 yeah. So I had a a background in I taught kids three um, D games development, and as part of that, to do textures, I used to make them go out and take photographs of bricks and concrete and things like that, so they could use those textures. Yeah. Uh, but I never. I never did it myself. I was, always okay. went with them and the way they, they did it. And I, I didn't get a camera myself until um, I arrived in Australia, which was uh, 12 years ago now. And then um, I, I think it was the landscape that just meant I needed to, I needed to capture it. 
Yeah. And initially I was taking photographs only to send um, to family and friends back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to say, wow, you just would not believe this place. Just look at this. <laughs> um, I think that's when I started. Uh, they must have been sick of me because I was sending 100 pictures a week. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and holiday snaps, you know how it is, Grant. They were not they were not photographs. They were nothing. They were nothing special. They were just literally pull out a camera. I think I had the, I think it was the Olympus um, OMD. Uh, I think it was the EM1. Yep, yep. Yeah, so, you know, micro four thirds. Yeah. Little camera, little dinky retro camera um, that I could fit in my pocket, pop it out and snap away. And then, yeah. That was that was probably the start. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So I guess judging by your accent, you're from the UK. Yes. Yeah. Well picked up. <laughs> yeah, from Liverpool in the UK. Yeah. I thought, uh, I, I thought it was there, there or uh, around the uh, the Lancashire area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you weren't too bad. Uh, yeah. The, the the northwest. So Lancashire's part of that area. So yeah. Yeah. Born and bred. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So what made you come out to Australia? What was the... Uh... Uh, the, 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 the wife. Uh, um, so I, I met my wife back in, obviously, in the UK. And I think she got to her, I think it was her fifth, I think it was her fifth winter. It might have been the fourth winter. And she said, I can't take this anymore. Right. I'm going back to Australia. And I'm really pleased she followed up with, are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> um, so never been. And I went, yeah, okay. We'll give that a go. Um, and that's what we, that's what we did. Okay. So that's where, I, uh, that's where, you know, I said earlier on about, um, uh, I, you know, I'm getting used to just packing, packing the house up and just moving um, because on a, on a whim, that's, that's what we did. Yeah. We packed up, and uh, obviously she came back to Australia, and I landed in Australia. Um, and yeah, and I was, uh, we we landed in Perth, and the first morning I was there, uh, we were at a, a little harbour uh, called uh, Mindari, yeah, Mindari, Mindari, I think it is, and uh, and I just remember looking out, and it was just everything was blue and golden, and just went on forever and coming from the UK where everyone's packed like sardines, you know, cheek by jowl. It was just, it was, just, I just didn't believe there was that much space anywhere. Yeah. Where um, Western Australia is definitely the place for space. Oh, well, yes. Yeah, it's true. Both the interior and, and looking West. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just sat there having an eggs Benedict and I went, Do you know what? This, this is just home. And that was the first morning. I've wow. never, never looked back since. Uh, fair enough. That's cool. So after you got your uh, point and shoot and you started, uh, you know, sending back your, your, your holiday snaps or your, um, um, you know, point and shoot snaps or whatever, what made you start to take it more seriously and take it to the next level? Um. I've, I've always tried my best to do the best I can, um, whatever I do. Um, I think it's probably something, it's something internal that just drives me to try and do the best I can. 
And I think the turning point was I, I, I bought a tripod and I also bought, I think they were called a 7.5 filter system mm -hmm. by Lee. Yep. And they made that for Micro Four Thirds. Um, and, uh, and I bought them, uh, I suppose, one of those uh, knee-jerk reactions. I just, I think I saw a lot, I, 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 I know I, I saw some long exposure photography and I thought, wow, it just blew me away. And I thought, I've, I've got to have a go at that. Yeah. So uh, I just, quick look on, on Google and it said what you needed was a tripod and a filter system. So, so that's what I, that's what I got. And then off I went. Uh, and at the time I didn't even realize that you needed an adapter ring for the, for the, for the lens. <laughs> so I turned up for my first shoot. I had all these bits and pieces and then I quickly realized that it was just never going to work. It yeah. just wouldn't fit together because I didn't have the adapter ring to fit the. the, the that, that's the, part of the joy of learning photography, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. By yeah, by beating yourself up. So, <laughs> so I, I had to, I had to have a little think at that point and thought, you know, you, you're doing the best you can, but is your best good enough here? Um, but I persevered and uh, got got that adapter ring and and. And that was it. I was I was away, and I think I was hooked on. I was hooked on long exposure at that point. Yeah. Uh, specifically, you know, very long exposures. I really wanted to push uh, the what my my equipment to its absolute limits. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, with the uh, Olympus, um, it it was it was great for everything, but it was extremely poor when it comes to long exposure. It was yeah. probably the noisiest camera on the market um for what i wanted it to do it's a great little camera but just that was that was the one bugbear with it and i couldn't bear myself to use the um the noise reduction um on it because i'd regularly take eight to ten minute exposures and the thought yep. of sitting there for another 10 minutes to, to create a black screen was just it was too much so yeah, fair enough um, and that pushed me to buy um, the Nikon, um, and it it wasn't a it wasn't again. It, I think it was a knee jerk reaction. So that wasn't a a deliberate choice by checking out Canon, checking out Nikon. I just walked in and went, "What what do you what do you think the best camera you've got DSLR?" <laughs> and he went, like, it was the D eight hundred at the time. He went, "Well, well, this is pretty good." I went, "Sold. Give me it." Was it the uh, most expensive one in the shop? <laughs> It probably it probably was. Yeah. Um, that, that's usually what you get when you ask a, a salesman what what's silly the... question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then and then of course you not know, saying that salesmen are dishonest. But yeah. No, no, no. That's that's true. But I did ask for, for whatever the best they had. I'm glad. I'm sure they had better. Um, but he probably looked at me and gauged it at, at the right level. I think. Yeah. Fair um, enough. And and then it was and then it was like I had to wait then because I couldn't afford the leaf filter system, uh, yeah. which it was at that time. So I had to I had to buy that piece by piece almost, yeah. uh, and uh, all, automatically I I gravitated towards water. Um, I suppose long exposure and water go hand yeah. in hand anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, I did I did I, last week I did a check on my Instagram feed. And I think there's about, there's about 470 odd pictures on there. 
mm-hmm. and there's only seven that don't feature water. So that's uh, that pretty much told me that I'm addicted <laughs> to water <laughs> in whatever form that is. Yeah, I've never, never done that exercise myself. I, I should have a look and uh, see what the percent. I, I know it will be a very high percentage because seascapes are what I, you know, I, I am passionate yeah. about. But uh, yeah, them, them waterfalls and uh, you and you know around Sydney Harbour and whatever around the city, um, it's hard to hard to take a shot that doesn't have some water in it somewhere. Well, that's true. Yeah, you, you particularly this week where it's been raining now for. About eight days solid. <laughs> yeah, and, and and twice or three times the normal rain too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter doesn't matter where you point your camera, it's gonna find water. It's gonna hit water. Or water's gonna hit you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's true. Um, but on, on on the on the waterfront, I'm not sure. Uh, and that wasn't a that wasn't a film link then, but on the on the waterfront, I think I think it's probably uh, in my blood because well, my father was uh, a merchant seaman yep. and uh, Liverpool is probably or was uh, one of the largest ports um, well, worldwide for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and my formative years growing up, you know, you're five and six years old and your mum kicks you out for the day. Uh, and we spent, we spent pretty much every day during the summer holidays down at the docks, you know, clambering up and over jetties and avoided being smacked around the back of the head by the dockers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the smell and the sounds of water's always, it's always been alongside me um, for, for an awful long, well, for most of my life. Yeah. And I think I only really noticed it when I lived further inland than I normally do. So, when we were in, in WA, I lived pretty near the water. And then we moved to Melbourne. And uh, I was, you know, an hour away from the water. Yep. And I, I think I really felt that then, um, being so far away from, from the sea. Yeah, yeah. So what was it, I guess, uh, about pushing your gear to the limit that, you know, made you want to do that and, you know, sort of, Obviously, forced the, the the gear upgrade because you weren't getting the results that you wanted. What what was it about that sort of long exposure photography you were you, you were that intrigued you and motivated you? I guess that I, I think it was, and I still think it's uh, the magic of long exposure. Uh, I think I think if you if you go out into the countryside or or even along the coast, wherever you are. You can take a photograph that represents um, the scene, the emotion, um, mm-hmm. how you feel, um, and it's it's almost you know it's almost it's a story of that place. It's almost a direct representation of what you can see and tangibly understand. Uh, with long exposure photography, especially when you go to the lens of some of my photography, is that is that you. You don't know, you anticipate what it's going to look like, but you don't actually know what you're going to get. And the longer you have to wait, I think the longest, I think the longest exposure that I've done, I think it was 27 minutes. Wow, that's, um, that's massive, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it came out quite noisy, I have to say. It wasn't really noise. There was a, quite a few hot spots that I had to clean up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that was that was down um, at uh, at uh, the Pinnacles in um, in in uh, in Victoria. So yeah, it, um, yeah, really pushing pushing the gear because you it's it's that moment of um, discovery when when the the process is finished and then that image just appears. Yep. Um, I think I purposely went away from Olympus because Olympus give you the option uh, in addition to see the photograph develop on the back on the screen. So you can see, you know, quite how it's going and what it looks like. And then you can stop the shutter should you wish. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't, that didn't, that didn't do it for me. Interesting. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to see it. I wanted, I wanted to wait. I wanted to then, um, I suppose, determine what that shutter speed should be for the effect that I want to happen and tell the story of that image. And then it's either, when it comes up, it's make a break. Um, so it's either there and it's worked out the way I want to. Sometimes it works out and exceeds what you expected. And, you know, quite a few times it's the other way. And yeah. you think, why did I bother with that? Because yeah, <laughs> it's a waiting game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I get what you mean in terms of that uh, anticipation that you have, you know, uh, before the, the, the shot is actually finished or the exposure is finished, you know. Um, I mean, I've, I, I think the longest I've done is about 11 minutes or so, so, you know, nowhere, nowhere near the 27 minute. Um, but then I've also done... Uh, I, I do quite a lot of bracketing now in, in doing that with the combination of very long exposures as well. You know, I could yeah. probably add up to, I've got shots where I know I've added up to probably about 50 or 60 minutes, so over an hour of exposure time in a single shot, but no one exposure over over about that 10-minute period. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, it, it is a, uh, I think it's a very different way of looking at the world as well, you know, because, you know, all of the detail in terms of the water and sky, you know, pretty much disappears at, at those that, those lengths, you know. It, it is. It's, it's almost like it's uh, because, you know, humans, you know, are, are fleeting creatures, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're around, you know, if we're lucky, you know, to seventy to ninety years ish. You know, if we're if we're if we're if we're blessed and we're lucky enough um, to live that long, and, and so our our senses and our perception is all based on that that time frame. Um, long exposure is something that um, you know a, a tree or something that's more inanimate would see. It would yeah. just stoically stand there while the world passes it passes it by mm. uh, and its perception would be different it wouldn't see the individual drops it wouldn't see the individual waves uh, because its lifespan is so much longer it would it, it it would it would blur it you know it would just elongate it and stretch mm. its perception somewhat that's why you can't hit a, a damn fly while it's flying is because it's got a lifespan of four or five days yeah Oh, time for it is so so much quicker 
Yeah, so we're, we're so much it. slower than they are. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's the sort of um, kick, I suppose, that, that I get out of that long exposure photography because it gives you a glimpse into a into a different time frame, a different perspective yeah. um, that, that we just don't normally uh, would, we just wouldn't see it normally. We need to utilize something to stretch, stretch that time um, a little bit. And, and, and long exposure photography is it, I suppose, I think it was about a year ago that, that even some of my long exposure photography just wasn't cutting it. Yep. I went through a period where I was doing ultra longs and black and whites and, um, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. And I will go back to my black and white. I haven't purposely shot black and white for probably about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, like forget COVID in between. So yeah, uh, a year before COVID. Um, so we, we call that what BC. Yeah. <laughs> before COVID. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for a year before COVID, I probably was going, I was, I was doing less, um, going out to shoot black and white mm. and moving more into into color and I think that's really cool for the last year I've been concentrating on shooting way before dawn yep so I've been shooting at uh, nautical twilight so that's up to an hour before the sun yep. crests the horizon and uh, and I know that if I arrive at a, at a place, you, it's pitch black. Um, but if I set up and I set the camera, if it's an hour before sunrise for eight minutes, I know I'll see something that that will appear that I can't even, never mind, that I can't even anticipate. It'll be something that I can't even see yeah. because yeah. I'm in the pitch and pitch black. Yeah. And so that's, I suppose that's a double whammy now. So I'm getting uh, a long exposure and I'm getting it out of, Pitch blackness, you know. Yeah, and no, at the I, moment, I, I know exactly what I've I've played around with a little bit of that myself, and uh, it is it, it is a, a, a very different sort of photography to uh, you know that. I mean, the the standard blue hour sort of before and after sunset, you know, where you can sort of see yes, there's there's light hitting those clouds, or you know, the, there's that glow in the in the horizon, you know. Yeah. And, and if you're lucky, you might get a few reflections or some lighting on the on the water or something in front of you. But uh, yeah, that that pre-dawn darkness, uh, as you say, that nautical twilight is a is a different game altogether. It is, and it, and it's surprising the amount of colour that that is refracted from the you know because you're talking the, the the sun's probably between six and twelve degrees below the horizon. Yeah, but there is if if you if you if you get it right, and and of course, it's the weather gods and Mother Nature that helps you out. If you've got that high, if you've got that high cloud, and there's enough of it, you will see that you know you'll have a dull red glow, yep. that's sort of just ephemeral and up there. But you you do an eight minute exposure, and that that color. Uh, I think I think that color intensifies because you got to remember that your camera not only collects light, it also collects the color of light. Yeah. And so because it's collecting color, and if it's a very faint red, that red will intensify in the final image. 
and I've had that's a, that's my dog. Sorry, um, I've had images where the light has gone very quickly from um, yellow to blue over the course of a long exposure, and the resulting color is actually quite green. So yeah. you can get green clouds, you know, and you think, you know, I, th I thought something was wrong with my camera at first, you know, uh, when everything was just tinged in green and um, had to do a bit of research. And it's it's collecting different color photons that yep. over time blends. So you can get real magentas, um, the deep, deep ruby reds um, and greens and all colors um, that, that just pop into your, into your imagery. So it's almost like alchemy in a way. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. When when you said you were doing black and white, were you going out and shooting in black and white? So setting the um, the camera to mono, or were you uh, you know doing a black and white conversion of a color image? Uh, no, I was setting the camera to to mono and just purely shooting for sure. um, form. You know. Uh, texture and light i think mm -hmm. they were the they were the thing i think i think i think form is probably still with me um but yes it was it was really about uh, about capturing the bare minimum uh, of that image that that really speaks to itself so it's about changing tonal contrast um i mostly i i still mostly shoot uh, contra jaw so I usually shoot into the light yep which gives you a high contrast scene um which is usually favorable for for black and white yeah uh, but you don't get you don't get the tonality that some black and whites need yeah so you don't get that spread you have to shoot away from the sun for that um but now still I'm, I'm very stubborn so I'm determined to shoot into the sun regardless <laughs> and I want that tonality. Yeah. Um, as well as that high contrast, and uh, and it really makes you a master of of looking at the conditions. So, uh, one of my images uh, was in the top uh, thirty for Australian Photographer of the Year, which I was quite proud of. Uh, but that image took me nearly four years to get. Yeah, I kept going back and back and back, and then it wasn't right. It wasn't right. I needed the wind to blow the clouds in a certain direction. Yep. I needed I needed the the flow and the and the uh, to come in a different direction, um, and it just yeah, it took me it took me about four years before I thought this is the one. I was so nervous. Okay. Uh, this is everything I want. That's it's going to turn out, and and it did. So yeah, so that's probably. I think after that shot, I probably went off black and white for a while because I thought that I'd nailed it after so long yeah. and I, I didn't want I didn't want the next one to be rubbish yeah I, I didn't want to fail at the next one so maybe maybe that had an effect on me and I so did, did, when, in saying that did did you feel that if you'd sort of gone out and you know the conditions weren't quite what you wanted um because obviously you're going into the field with a concept of what you're what you're trying to pull together um with did you see that as you know taking a backward step? No, strangely enough, I, I I was I knew when I was going out and I had a picture in my head. I was trying to I was trying to force the image out of out of sheer will. I had an image in my head that I wanted. I was trying to force it, 
arriving at, at that particular location within within a minute, you know it's not going to happen, and so you revert back to okay. So what what is this now telling me? I don't. I didn't see that as a failure. It was just that I was on a hunt, and if I couldn't get that, then I was gonna I was gonna uh, I was gonna search to find something else that that spoke to me. Got it. Uh, that's probably the way it was. Uh, so I never felt disappointed uh, that I didn't get it. I always thought that one day that will happen. And sure. I've still got another picture in my head that that I've had since since I've picked up the camera and really want, and that's not happened yet. <laughs> so I've got I've got an idea and a picture in my head, and I've just haven't found the location for it yet. Fair enough. So, so how, much, how much planning are you putting into a uh, a, a shoot like that? So prior to, prior to actually turning up and you know setting up your tripod, um, what what are you doing? I guess to to make sure that conditions are right, or you know, and yeah. every, every day I go out, I know that you know regardless of how many forecasts I look at and whatever, it's, it's never quite yeah. what it says it's going to be. <laughs> no, I hate I hate forecasts. I I still <coughs> use them. Um, I still use them, but I absolutely hate them um, because they either tell you it's everything's perfect yep. and you go out and they're not, um, or it tells you that you shouldn't go out and then you're umming and ahhing and wasting time deciding to go out. Yeah, if you don't, go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that will suit it. So, so yeah. I, th- I think I'd, I, what, I've, what I've learned to do now is, a, uh, as you know, I mostly do dawn. Uh, yeah. I mostly I mostly do dawn because I'm maybe it's because I'm antisocial and the fact that uh, <laughs> when I arrive somewhere I want it to myself. If you go at sunset, you know chances are there's people sitting around and you know it's their right. They absolutely are, we, we're here to share, uh, but I know sunsets are often uh, more difficult in terms of uh, people being about, um, and yeah, and for me. I prefer that just me and the object, whatever it is I've come to photograph. Um, I don't mind other photographers. It's just, it's just when you get people just wandering about and just you know doing enjoying them, enjoying the place. It's just yeah. not for me because I want to capture something, and I tend not to have uh, people in my in my shots if I can help it. Yeah, I'm I'm quite kind of the same. Uh, I don't I don't mind the odd person in the shot. Uh, depends on where I am and and where where I'm shooting and what I'm shooting. But uh, yeah, I try try to get as many uh, shots as I can without people. Maybe yeah. maybe we share the same so antisocial tendencies. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's not that. I think to be honest, I'm going to use another word that's probably even worse. It's probably selfish. In the fact that you know I've I've come here and I I have a connection with this object and I want to uh, I want to show it off to what I believe is the best way that I can, yeah. and anything else is either a is a distraction. You know, uh, saying that I do take my you may have seen on on the videos that are produced I do take along our, our puppies not a puppies three now uh, yeah. Rafi so I don't mind sharing it with him uh, because. Uh, because he's he's great company and he doesn't chatter in my ear most of the time, um, and, and I can I can put him on a lead and, and move him out the way if necessary. That doesn't um, ask you what you're doing. No, no, no. And he's he's he always he, well he's always impressed. Whatever I do, so that that'll work. 
Uh, but yes, uh, I think I think it's I think it's partly selfish in the fact that um, I want to do the best I can, and early mornings are the time when there's the least possible um, chance of 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 distraction. Um, uh, but I love it when when we bump into other photographers. Um, that that's having obviously that's going to happen, and it has happened many times, and it, and they've always been. It's always been a good feeling to have people around all taking images of the same thing in different ways and, yeah, yeah. and chatting away and what are you doing? How are you doing that? And that's that's interesting. I don't I don't mind that. Uh, maybe that's a shared outlook. Yeah. Um, we're all trying to do the same thing. Uh, but yeah, and, and and plus, as I said earlier, that I do nautical twilight. I, I don't know where it is, but. Um, nautical twilight in the morning um, seems generally to be uh, better, cleaner colour, deeper colour than uh, nautical twilight of an evening. Uh, I don't know whether that's because of there's more dust in the air because of the day. Yeah, um, that sort of dilutes it slightly. It gives you beautiful tones, but it's just a different, it's a different colour. It's more yeah. pinky off and orange. Whereas in the morning, you get if you get it, you get deep ruby reds. Yeah. Um, so there is a slight difference there. Uh, but in terms of planning, yes, I, uh, I I check the weather. So it's the normal, you know, Skippy Sky is quite good. Why are dot no is another one. I don't know if you if you know that one. I haven't heard of that one, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly it's got a tag on there. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it's a Scandinavian one, I think. It's uh, it 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 um it 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 really is good. It gives you uh, it gives you a uh, if you go into details, it gives you a breakdown of the cloud, um, in terms of everywhere. It gives you that you know the um, low, uh, middle, and high, but it also gives you dew point, also gives you altitude clouds, so clouds that are higher. And for me, doing early photography, clouds that are higher than high cloud, they're the ones that really um, yeah. light up. They carry the light across from the other side of the world yeah. um, through that refraction. So, yeah, why dot no is 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 one I I check uh, before I go out, and uh, you, and you can you know it'll do it worldwide, so it's it's pretty good. Um, and of course, being by the sea. I always check the tide and just as importantly, the swell yeah. um, and the wind direction. Uh, that's, that's, the, the, that's the safety, really. Um, the swell's the safety. Tide is because it depends where you're going, whether you need high or low tide to get to where you want and get the look you want. Yeah. Um, I'm always mindful of swell. Um, I've uh, one or two... Uh, hiccups with swell where I used to check the tide and not the swell. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had a, uh, I had a, a DA50 on my tripod on a, on a, on a ledge. And I had a wave that came up, hit the ledge behind me, splashed up probably over my head and came down and took my other bag with the spare camera in it and two lenses and off it went. Yeah. So, but I had older the DA50 at the time on my tripod, but I could have easily gone with it because 
yeah uh, it was just one of those waves it, it you know the the tide was in but it it was it was the swell it literally hit hit the shelf along one side flew along the the wall and then came back down on top of me and yeah I, so I, I know the sort of wave i've uh, i've been uh, made a little damp um once or twice through through some of those yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I yeah. haven't lost any gear that way, but uh. Uh, yeah, no, that was that that was an expensive, an expensive outing, um, but uh, and it and it made me realise that I need to do a little bit more checking, um, sure. especially climbing over rocks. Lakes are great, but uh, from by the sea, then I need to be responsible and really do that check. So that so yeah, so tide and swell wind is. Is if I'm going towards the sea, then that's what I check. Yeah. So you're sussing out your uh, locations on Google Earth, or are you going to places that you kind of have physically checked out yourself beforehand, or uh, a mixture, a mixture, a mixture of, of 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 all of that. I think uh, I've only been in South Australia now for not even a year, mm-hmm. so I'm still sort of getting used to the to the to the landscape and topography and i don't know what's um uh, what's available to be shot yet so i I suppose i'm checking other instagrammers first of all um in terms of if i know i'm going to go so if we're going on a on a short break um then i'll probably check instagram and check that area and just see what sort of photographs what sort of views are available i use google maps as you said and often drop the little the little man yep. onto a, a little blue circle so i can have a look around um i zoom in very closely to google earth uh, google earth and, and google maps uh with the terrain on an inch along the coast yep. um, i found several um out of the way hidden broken jetties that way okay yeah mostly in victoria um but i found one i found one here in south australia uh, that as far as i'm aware has there's, there's actually three of them um very large pilings and as far as i can tell they've not been photographed at all okay. by anyone um so um so i'm looking to go and photograph them when i get the opportunity um yeah, so I yeah i'm find those sorts of things yeah yeah so long as they, it looks unique and I'm excited, um, I've, I've been there and I've seen them, um, whether I can make a photograph of them is yet to be seen. Um, they're, they're, they're difficult where they are in terms of vegetation growing, so I might have to wait to winter so it dies back. Uh, but I'm thinking about that now. Um, I, I think moving to South Australia has made me, made me widen uh, what I photograph, yep. um, because there's, it's very modern, the coastline here in terms of jetties. Yeah, and yeah. as beautiful as they are, you know, they don't sing to me like um, broken bits of wood and iron. Yeah. Um, the character's just not there for me. As beautiful, they are, really are beautiful, but I need to work a little harder now. So I'm up for the challenge. Um, so, the, you know, I'm, I'm looking now at salt pans. I'm looking at um, uh, at the many ruined b- 
buildings and abandoned farm buildings that are around. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I mean the desert. You know, there's there's desert within quite an easy drive. Um, we've got the Flinders Ranges and things. So yeah, no, it's I, I'm excited again, uh, but I'm also a beginner again. Yeah. When it comes to that photography, uh, waterfalls, for instance, you mentioned them. Um, I've taken two waterfalls in my life, um, yet there's about half a dozen in less than an hour's drive from here. So, sure. Uh, so I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the rainy season and yeah, get down well, we're, we're, we're getting plenty of that at the moment. So uh, too much. Yeah, waterfalls are. Uh, to be honest, though, I think at the moment, you know, some of them are a, a little too full of water. So. Um, you know, you can go and uh, A, it can be really dangerous, but B, you know, it doesn't make a great shot when there's just torrents and torrents of brown, you know, dirty water. Well, I won't say it's dirty water, it's carrying a lot of dirt, you know. It is, it's churned up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it, it just it just doesn't look great as a uh, as a shot, you know. It's not, it makes, makes for spectacular um videos, I guess, you know, but uh. Yeah. Not not necessarily great great for photography. Also, really hard to keep your uh, your, your gear dry too. You're uh, always having to wipe off the lens because uh, the know. spray coming off those sorts of torrents is uh, a, a bit of a challenge. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still working on a project in terms of waterfalls around the uh, the Illawarra escarpment. Um, and I saw a, I saw a new one yesterday, actually, that I've never seen before, um, up behind Ostermere, coming off the top of the escarpment, and oh. it's literally just because of the amount of water that's you know piled up on on there and uh, is pouring off the side. And, it's just yeah. worked its way through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, well, I didn't have my camera with me at all to uh, okay. to, to get any kind of <laughs> shot of it. But uh... <laughs> yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. Always the way, you know. But yeah, no, those they're unique once in a lifetime, you know, um, um, shots or you know, once a decade shots. So, yeah. fingers crossed, you get back. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm planning to head down there again uh, this week because uh, there's more rain forecast. So, there's <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Good, good chance it'll still be flying <laughs> as long as you're safe. That's the thing. Yeah, Some yeah, I'll um. Uh, it's not somewhere. Uh, I, I think what I'll be doing with that particular one is uh, staying at the bottom of the escarpment and using a long, long lens because it's it's literally off the top of the off the top of the cliff. And, uh, yeah, I think climbing up to get in, into the bottom of it is um, not going to be easy for one thing, but also it's just yeah. I, I think it's um, pretty. Pretty wild and, and scrappily bushland as well to get through. So anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll then, see, see what happens. To get there, is it going to make it? Yeah. yeah. Is it going to make a, good, a better shot after all of that? You know, that's the thing. Yeah, well, that's it. It's it's all about the composition and uh, you know whether or not it uh, whether or not it works. You know, and you know to be honest, it, in that location coming off the cliff, it's a the the hillside going up to the bottom of the actual cliffside. The cliffside's vertical, um, yeah. but the hillside going up to it is is very steep as well. So if, even if you did get to the seat of the falls where it, it it's hitting the the top of the that um, the 
hillside, um, it's pretty much just going to be a straight up shot up the up the cliff, yeah. which I yeah I just can't see it working. So I think yeah. uh, standing further back using a longer lens is is probably going to be the way to go. To capture it, no, no, best of luck with that. Yeah. Especially seeing when the rain stops, it'll go. You know, yeah, it'll disappear. Literally five minutes after the rain stops, it'll stop. <laughs> Dry up, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we'll 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 see what happens with that one. But um, I said uh, I did see another couple of uh, falls. Um, somebody posted one the other day. I think uh, down at Taramata Beach, which I I shoot a fair bit. Uh, which is, you know, it's a, it, it's a nice beach because for photography because there's quite a lot of rock formations around there. But, um, you know, there's it, it's not one with a surf club or anything. So, you know, it's a little bit less accessible than some of the other ones. But, yeah, saw, saw waterfalls coming off the cliffs there down, down to the mm-hmm. sea um, there on, on the weekend. Somebody posted some shots of that. So I might take a look at that too. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think. Um, being in South Australia, loving the water, I think this is generally a pretty dry state. Yeah. So, uh, so I might have done a boo boo there, but we'll we'll see. We'll, you, see. well I mean, you've you've got one of those uh, very rare opportunities, I guess. If you if you head north up to Lake Eyre, uh, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of water up there at, at the moment, from what I understand. So, you know. Yeah. As you said, taking the salt pans, you'd probably be actually taking small lakes in in some of those locations now. Because uh, there'll be one for wet. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of a lot of water coming down from uh, Queensland and uh, Northern Territory at the moment, and uh, I think that's that's going to make a, a a bit of a difference to the the, the desert for a, for a couple of months anyway, till it till it all dries that's up. It. That's it, bound to yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess um, go on. I, I was I was going to say that uh, uh, I think I think over the last couple of years I think I was primarily shooting um, jetties. I think if you go back on my Instagram feed, it, it's just it was like pieces of stick in water um, or jetties in water, obviously. And uh, I think my latest passion at the moment has been trees. Um, I've, uh, I I think. I think that's where I've sort of shifted away from the jetties, um, having shot a lot of them and shot a lot of them several times. I've, I've uh, expanded or changed um, somewhat. And so I'm really excited about, about getting the camera out in, in lakes, especially lakes full of water, of course. So yeah. that's my next, I think, um, uh, passion if I'm not at the seaside, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, here in South Australia, we've got Lake Bonnie, and Lake Bonnie is is just you know it's a photographer's dream. Yeah, uh, yeah. So many trees. Even you photograph one tree about three different ways. You know, it's just it's insane. Some of the some of the uh, the trees that are up there. So uh, it's only a small hop, skip, and a three-hour drive. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> see how we go. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any sort of routine that, you know, you, you set up, obviously, you've, you've got your uh, planning done, your image in mind, and so you turn up on location. What, 
what are you what are you thinking about what are you what are you looking for what are you what what are you doing with your gear well, well normally normally when i normally when i turn up and and of course it's way pre dawn uh, i've already generally decided on the first shot so that's usually 8 8 minutes ish sometimes a touch longer but it's it's an 8 minute image i just uh, just the ISO if necessary and and the aperture so that it's I get my eight minutes and again that's you know that's I wouldn't say it was luck at the start I think I think uh, I, I generally nail nine out of ten now in terms of focusing on the right thing and actually getting the exposure correct even though it's pitch black so so my first image is generally planned um, because it, it has to be because I'm in I'm in complete darkness. Um, after that, after that, it's it's more about reacting to the light at that point. So and and also um, uh, trying to get the best. So to to compromise, then it's a to compromise between the light and the object, whatever it is I've come to photograph. And it tends to be an object. I tend to photograph as if it's a portrait rather than a landscape. So uh, I tend to focus on a single object. Yeah. Um, sometimes with without a foreground. Uh, it depends on what level of uh, how strong that image is. If that image, I believe, is strong enough, it doesn't need a foreground. Then I won't. I won't give it one. I'll just make it center stage. So yeah. So it's it's a compromise once the light's starting to come up between where the light is and how best to use that uh, against the subject. Which side? What what perspective? High low to one side to the other straight down the middle is best to capture this thing, whatever it is. And into that mix is often is often the flow. Um, so I do do shorter, much shorter um, uh, exposures. So, so from around rocks, you know, quarter of a second, couple of seconds, not got a problem with that. Um, but for the longer ones, it's more it's it's about uh, how how much wind is there, what direction is it, which way are the clouds going. Um, definitely the light. How can I use the light? Is there any color left? Uh, and it's a it's it's everything in the mix it's usually a crazy 20 minutes yeah. at that point. I have no idea which way I'm going to be pulled. Um, it, it tends to be, uh, it, it tends to be the light will dictate first. The light will change. I'll react to that and suddenly go, okay, the lights here. I've got the clouds going this way, but the water there and I've got this object. How can I put those four things together? in some sort of jigsaw that feels right to me. Yeah. I'll be ducking, diving left, right, up, down. And somewhere in the middle of that, I'll just stop for us. I'll just, I'll just stop and I'll go, no, this is it. This is what I wanted to want to take. And then I'll shift the camera, set it down. Uh, I'm on autopilot then. I know, uh, I usually know how long I want that exposure to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I know what depth of field I'm going to need. And of course, um how, now shooting medium format it now often means that i have to focus stack yeah because um, depth of field works differently 
um, for medium format than it does on full frame. And believe you me, I, I lost a lot of images when I first went to, to medium format for exactly that reason. I thought, F16, you know, I've got a jetty in front of me. I'll focus a third of the way through. Bingo, done. Yeah, I can walk away. Happy days. No, nah, doesn't work like that with not, medium format. Not quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> not the same. Oh, you, you talk F16 on uh, full frame is about F11-ish. Yeah. I think it's I think it's about 12 um, on medium format for the same focal length. So you need to focus stack. Yeah, yeah. You're forced to focus stack. And, of course, I've had to adjust how I photograph and how I approach it to make sure that I get my long exposure and and I'm able to focus stack as well. So, yeah, it 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 slows you down a little bit, but then you have to speed up changing conditions to get what you want. It's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah, medium format has been a real challenge, but um, when you get it right, the the feel and the look and the files are just you know they're just amazing. So yeah. So what what do you do? In- Speaking of files, obviously, medium format's going to be, uh, you know, getting up. What, what is it, 100 or 150 megapixels? Or? Yeah, often often uh, around uh, 120 to 160 megapixels. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, what, what are you doing for storage? Because that, that, that's going to eat it growing, up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's growing quickly. Um, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a NAS. I'm looking at... I'm looking at big storage, uh, possibly within a year. Um, so at the moment, I've got four 18 terabyte drives. Wow. And I've got two 12s and I've got four eights. Um, as because I, I have three sets of, of, of backup. Yeah. So I have things from the past and they're backed up on the eights and they, they're basically. I fire them up once a month to make sure they're okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure they're they're both working. Fine. They, these are external drives, yeah. External, yeah, yeah, all external. Um, I've got a couple of SSDs um, that I. So when I'm when I when I bring new files in, I'll put them on the um, SSDs. So I've got two two terabyte SSDs side by side, and I'll work off them because I need that speed. Yep, and yep. then after that, they get they get bumped to the backup drives. Got it. Uh, which have set up. I've got some software on the Mac, so that once I make a change, um, just before I switch off, I run the program, and it mirrors them across the four. So just to make sure that I've got that redundancy built in, because I've lost, I've lost a lot of files in the past, um, yeah. just having them on a single drive. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm the same. I've uh, moved from uh, single drives to multiple externals, but I've also uh, signed up with a, um, a cloud service as well, which luckily basically doesn't have a limit, which is nice. Okay. Not, yes. It's not the cheapest out there, but it's also not the most expensive. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it makes me feel better because it's just sitting here quietly picking everything up from the hard drive on the computer as I'm yeah. working on it and just, you know, putting it away. So, 
if anything does happen, and as I say, touch wood. It, Indeed. Uh, yeah. I, I won't need it, but... Uh, yeah. I have been considering that, so I might, we might chat about that at some point. Yeah. So what you recommend. Um, but yeah. So what I tend to do is, is the drives I have, when I've finished backing them up, I pick two of them up, put them in a box, and then they go out in the shed. Yeah. Uh, just in case, you know, you know, God forbid, but something happened to the house. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I've got I've got them backed up in the in the shed, and then um, then I have to halfway through editing, I go, oh, damn, I've got to walk out to the shed, bring the drive <laughs> back in, plug in. But I try to separate them so that I've got you know a redundant set somewhere else. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But they are mighty files, you know. You're talking. Um, uh, uh, the, one of the one of the uh, the panoramas that I did um, was, you know, overall was a, a two uh, two million megapixel file. Wow! Yeah. You know, you're talking ridiculous, uh, ridiculous. And I got to the edge where um, the software I was using, uh, Lightroom, wouldn't wouldn't photo merge them. Yeah, Photoshop yeah. Wouldn't photo merge them. Um, I've got capture capture one that wouldn't do them because the new one will 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 photo merge to um, panorama that wouldn't do it so I ended up using uh, um, another another piece of software that that did do it uh, full yeah. you know, full resolution so yeah, yeah crazy, I, crazy files I've I, I've found uh, one one of the ways I've got around some of those things where you know Photoshop or one of the others won't process like a, and it's usually, as you say, in the, in those panos where you've got multiple um, and because I've, I've also bracketed. So, um, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever the exposure width is, so say it's, you know, five shots, then each of those shots is five exposures. Yeah. <laughs> um, you end up with some uh, massive files, but what I, what I've found is, doing breaking up the processing into separate smaller parts and then doing the photo merge with those final yeah, effectively already processed single sets of images or sing, sing, single uh you know shots that I'm single I'm, file compressed file yeah, yeah so basically the it, it, you're only dealing with the jpegs at the end to actually do the stitching because the stitching okay. itself is you know, not necessarily the, the the hard part. Depends on the size of the file and how many files I got to play with. Sometimes I do it the other way around, where I do the stitching, and then use those stitched files to do then the blending and editing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it, it, it does put a pressure, a little bit of pressure on you, on on your on your computer gear. But yeah, yeah. You know, I try to I try not to do as I'm trying to do as little editing. As I as I as I possibly can, um, I try. But uh, I, I, I I've gone back to earlier earlier edited photos, looked at them, and thought, how the hell did you ever think they were any good? <laughs> you know, you know so I'm re-edited them much, you know, much more sympathetically. I think. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, yeah. I I definitely know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just get. Uh, Addicted to sliders, I think. You just, yeah, every slide is meant to be pushed. Yeah, well, okay. everyone, everyone starts off with the 100% saturation, 100% uh, 
vibrant you know, and then yeah then you learn okay well that's not the way to do it and <laughs> Uh, that's 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 right, and, and yeah, and I think that's the the every image now that I do, uh, nautical twilight one that works out. Uh, I have to bump the vibrance and the saturation down. Often saturation five percent, but vibrance down by ten fifteen percent because yeah. they're just unearthly. They just do not look. They don't. They don't look real. And even then, they're very highly, highly saturated, but they're natural. You know. Yeah, um, the that's the thing with those long exposures is they do tend to uh, look a little oversaturated, and I've, I've done the same myself. You know, I've, you know, take, taken saturation down even up to fifteen percent in some cases. Where you yeah, know, just, yeah you, you look at it and you go, no, it couldn't look like that. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. And and the other thing as well, because it because it averages out the light, it, yeah. it tends to dull the contrast. So. So you've got to be careful putting contrast back in. Yeah. Um, because what that will do is really push the colours back up again. It's just you're in a it's a no-win situation. You need that contrast because you've taken it out because of the long exposure. Yeah. And you yeah, and it's increased saturation, but contrast will increase that even more. That's so, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. So I I I, I tend to do um uh what's called zonal contrast. So looking oh, yeah. at um the mid-tones, looking at the shadows, looking at the highlights, and then just subtle changes to each of those. To it gives you a lot yeah. more. So basically what you're doing, you're using a, a luminosity mask to actually, you know, control which pieces oh, those areas. You're, yeah. you're changing and then just use a, a curves adjustment to adjust those. Um, okay. And it gives you a lot more control over what gets changed by what, contrast rather than doing a global contrast change which you know as, as you well aware can give you some strange results Absolutely <laughs> can yeah well that that like that zonal that, that's ansel adams isn't it i think yeah. he, that's what that was his approach um way back when with film he used the zonal approach yeah so well but that's you can see now why why black and white so much easier absolutely than, uh, Working with colour, but yeah. <laughs> Mind you, I've seen I've seen some interesting. Uh, I forget what his name is. The guy that does uh, F sixty four Academy. Um, he's got some interesting stuff that really opened my eyes around how to how to go from and and use your colours to control what your black and white tones okay. are and. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll flick your link to to, yeah, to that tutorial. It's it's just a, a very different way of looking at that black and white conversion. So it, you, you're taking a color shot, but then yeah. you're doing a conversion using uh, hue and saturation uh, layers and and changing um, you know the various values depending on what color range you want to change. You know, so you okay. you, you you want to bump the reds up or down or the blues up or down and the yellows and so forth. So you're actually getting a lot more control over your tonal range. Over and, that, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and, and, but this is this is the fascinating thing about it for me. You know, in terms of processing, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't want to talk about their processing and whatever because it's you know, they, it's just their way of doing things. And you know that you, you get into that routine and you get into your workflow and you it works for you and it gives you your style but i i, I like 
I, I like playing around a little bit to try and learn more about the tool and what it can and can't do and you know right. what what you can do to get more control over more of you know more granular control as as i guess what i mean around you know what you're yeah. doing with your images yeah no no I, I can hear there's just uh there's 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 only so many hours in the day yeah that's that's the other thing yeah and I, <laughs> I i i try to i try to limit my processing but Every now and then, when you're really, really enjoying an image, um, you know, it's that that point in time where you look across and, oh my god, I spent an hour on this. Yeah, you know, it's just where does that go? <laughs> you know, yes. Have you have you ever thought about um, infrared photography? Funnily enough, I haven't. I, I sorry, I'll, I'll I'll rephrase that. Yes, I have thought about it. Have I done any of it? No. Have mm. I actually experimented with it? Not really. No. It is something yeah. that I'd like to take a look at, but um, you know, it uh, and I, I think it'd be interesting, actually. You know, talking about your uh, your eight minute uh, nautical twilight exposures, whether or not that makes any difference. You know, flipping your your, your camera into infrared mode, and yeah. uh, you know, seeing seeing what what your eye definitely can't see. <laughs> yeah, well, again, that thing where I push it to the limit, uh, when I have, uh, I no longer have the Nikons, I've only just got rid of them just before Christmas. I kept them as my safety net in case I didn't like the Fuji. Yeah. Um, uh, but the 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 D800, I was going to keep that and get it, get it converted. So I wasn't going to mess around by doing infrared in, in software. I, I, I was yeah. considering... Actually, having the sensor swapped and yep. having a dedicated sensor in there, and I and I may still I may still do that. That's something that's it's tickling in the back of my mind, you know. Uh, now that you say, I never even considered an ultra long exposure in infrared and what that could possibly look. See, you've got me excited now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I better I better hand the card to the wife because hang on a sec, uh, Peyton. Copyright, Grant Swinburne. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I've got to be honest, I don't know too many people that are doing the nautical twilight in the first place, and I'm pretty sure there's very few people that have played around with infrared in that space. Yeah. I, I'm quite sure doing a Google search you'll find somebody that's that, that's done it. But, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we have. <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, since posting uh, on Instagram, you can... Um, before claiming that it was nautical twilight, I think photographers were out there photographing during that time and maybe yeah. didn't have a label for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I have noticed that it's become, uh, it's more popular. I've, I've, I've noticed since uh, I've been posting and it may, it may just be coincidence, um, but more and more photographers, especially on my feed, are out a bit earlier. And, and, and I think they, they're just, getting addicted it, it just means you've got to get out of bed an hour yeah, early which is hard exactly it. Yeah. and that's to, for me also the hard part you know <laughs> yeah oh yeah now i force myself and it is difficult sometimes um especially you know it's, we're still in the midst you're not but we're still here in south australia in the midst of the dreaded blue sky you yeah. know so the thought of getting up and driving at half past three four o'clock in the morning when you know it's going to be a blue sky, is yeah. it, it can be a bit 
Isn't that when you did Astro? <laughs> yeah, but that's that's one thing that I've I've never I've done it once. Yeah, I've done it, I've just done it once, and it was only only because I I couldn't sleep, got up, went, and there was not a cloud in the sky, and I thought oh, I'll give it a go, and it wasn't too bad. It turned out quite well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, it's I don't know. I think Astro's beautiful, and I think the people that do it do a damn fine job. Um, and I'd, yeah, it's just take, take some dedication to get out there, particularly in the middle of winter, which is our you know Milky Way season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, be be there for eight or nine hours. I know. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Chungi photos or um Hisu Chung is his his name. Okay. Um he's he's does these uh amazing uh dust till dawn shots. So oh, yeah. you'll see the sun setting in the west and yeah, then the you know the the full you know gamut of stars and everything with the, the landscape done at twilight and then you'll see the sun rising in the east. You know, yeah. He's there, you know, taking the multiple shots that it takes to create these amazing images, you know, and yeah. it's yeah, just just phenomenal dedication to actually sit there with your tripod set up, you know. And with, that, yeah, that time slice. I've seen I've seen quite often those time slices. Yeah, uh, this, this is this is blending all of those into into a single cohesive wow. image. Yeah, well, well worth, well worth. I'll looking. have a little look. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's, that is dedication. You know, I suppose if we were, if it was our one and only business, I'm, I'm still working full time. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I only get out. I get out of a weekend, um, probably once, uh, but um, now and then I, I might be able to sneak in a weekday. Um, photo shoots or something like that, but yeah, imagine imagine seven days a week just, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me, it's a little yeah. bit closer than uh, closer than you may think. I've had a uh, you know a, a couple of changes with work, and um, at the moment, I'm uh, I'm basically full time photography and podcasting. Yeah. That's that's yeah. all I'm doing at the moment. So it's not that I'm out there every day because there's other things in life to do, you know, there's uh, yeah, indeed. You know, Are you enjoying it? You enjoying yeah, absolutely. It? T- totally. Um you know it's <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a lot better than working for a living. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't uh, when, when you're doing it, it doesn't feel like work, you know. <laughs> No, that's true. No, that's absolutely, absolutely right. Um, I hope I enjoy it. And I hope I enjoy it just as much when, 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 when it's available for me all the time. I'm not sure whether the excitement and the the highs and lows are because it's limited to me. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, it's I, a nice I, way of finding out. I mean, it's only, it's only been a few months, so I, I I can't say that the the passion will live on for for you know how long it'll live on for but um yeah certainly so far um haven't uh ha- haven't found anything where i'm sort of saying oh, i don't want to do it you know <laughs> yeah no i've got to say grant as well that you know i thoroughly enjoy the images that i see of yours as well oh thank uh, you they really really do you know they they do stand out there's there's probably about there's probably more but there's about a dozen 
there's about a dozen people who, uh, when I see the name before I scroll up, it's like I scroll and stop, yeah, you know, and then I, I stop and enjoy the image. Um, whereas, you know, there's a, a lot, a lot you just, you, you know, you flick through and it'll only catch your eye. But there are certain certain photographers out there that you just know that there's something to learn, there's something to see, there's something to feel yeah. in the picture that they create, and I know you exactly. are definitely one of them. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, you, you, you're very much the same for me, you know, one, one of the ones that I always uh, stop and take a, take a good look at because, uh, you know, I, I, I guess talking about Instagram and, and social media and so forth, where, 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 where are you with that at the moment? Is it just Instagram that you're sharing your work or are you doing more with it? Are you trying to sell prints on a website or...? Um, well, I do, I do. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a website, although it's, uh, uh, it, it's uh, poorly looked after. I update it probably every six months or so, yeah. you know, and then haphazardly throw some of my favourite images up, and then, and then I, I forget about it. Um, I, I do use Instagram. I, I, I'm a lot of people are down on Instagram. I quite, I still quite enjoy using it. Yeah, I think because I'm not really. I'm not really bothered on 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 the likes. Um, if it does well, then people enjoy it, then great. And if they don't, then I think to myself, well, the right people haven't seen it. Yep. So so for me, it's 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 fine. Yeah. Uh, I I do enjoy it because it because it's colourful when you see all when you scroll to your feed and you see all your images and it's it's powerful. You know, it's it's powerful to see a platform with your work on. I suppose even though you've put it up. Yeah, well, yeah, I do enjoy that color, and I enjoy. I interact with a lot of people on Instagram. Yeah, so there's a lot of people who ask questions, um, direct questions, regardless of in the feed. Um, and a lot of a lot of beginners who say really like to do this. How do you do that? And I just I, I enjoy talking to them. Sure. Um, uh, and and so yeah. So no, for me, Instagram is. It, well, some people say it's a tool for my quite I enjoy the interaction that I do get on there so yeah. uh, while that's while that's working for me and other people are enjoying talking to me on that uh, I'll stick with that Facebook's not really um I've not really attempted to use that in any real way mm. I've got a personal accounts which also has my photographs on um there's a whole collection of people it's not a focus for the a business or selling prints. I don't try and sell prints uh, or force the sale of prints in any which way. Oh, sure. I'm just happy if people want them, um, then they'll they'll they'll, they'll ask me. Um, you do, know, you, do you print many of your own shots for your for your own walls? Or yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do. I've got um, I've probably got in the in the hall behind, which is behind you. I've got three of my favourites: two black and whites and a uh, and, and a colour. Um, and the colour one's actually from South Australia that I took when we holidayed here. We're from Victoria, yep. so I've got I've got those. I've just ordered um, four um, A2 metal prints, you know, an aluminium, um, and they're all of Lake Bonnie. Um, so I've ordered those to come in. They're going. They're going out. They're going out for an exhibition. Um, so they'll go in the exhibition when that when that exhibition finishes. They'll go on my wall. 
Yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, over time, I've probably got about 10, 12 uh, pictures that have been framed. Um, but I get, I suppose I get quite bored of them, I think, yeah. having your own stuff on the wall. So I've got on my wall, I've got other photographers' stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, that I've, that I've, um, that I've purchased over, over the years. So I've got about four or five of other photographers' stuff, which goes up and, I don't get bored of them. Yeah. Uh, I move them around different rooms, but uh, I don't get bored of those. Like I do my own, I suppose. It's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I, I guess it, it, I, I, I kind of get where, where you're coming from there because, you know, you, you've created it. You've looked at it. You probably, I mean, you thought about the image before you went. You stood there in front of it and taken it, and then you've sat there and processed it for maybe up to an hour, maybe an hour and a half if you you know, if you've really worked it and yeah. now you've got it hanging on your wall, do you really want to look at it anymore? <laughs> I think, I think, I think you've captured it. There, there is something in that. It, it's, it's, I want, I, I don't know, I suppose uh, maybe it's this hubris thing, but maybe, maybe I want someone else to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. because it's, I've, I've enjoyed the entire process. And if I'm happy with the final image, I don't need to be reminded of that. Yep. I don't need to see it all the time. Um, so so it's possibly something along those lines. Have you ever uh, hit a creative wall? Um, several times. No, several times. Um, I, it, it's usually it's usually before I go out, so I won't go out. Yeah. Um, uh, so th- there's many occasions where I've set the alarm for four o'clock. Four o'clock's come. The lights, you know, the, the alarm's gone off. I've woke up. And I've just gone, no, you know, I've just gone, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. And it's often when you look out the window an hour later, the, the most amazing sunrise yeah, should've, should've ever yeah. in the world. <laughs> and you kick yourself a bit. But then, no, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not there, I'm, I'm not there. Um, yeah. Has it, I'm trying to think if it's lasted. I, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think it's, I, I've probably had it for, I think the maximum I've had it for two is about two weeks where I haven't gone out, but I, I tend to get quite ratty. Yeah, I, I, I tend to get a bit tetchy. I think if I haven't had that outlet, so in in the end, often the wife just kicks me out the door with the keys in my hand, <laughs> says, "Don't come back until you've done some photos." Um, I, I, it's it's mainly because if I'm out and it's an absolute rubbish, awful sunrise. And every photograph I've took has been ruined either through camera shake or there's just nothing to take. That doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter to me because the sun's come up. Yeah. I've, yeah. Seen, I've, I've seen it go from dark to light. And I do feel that that's sort of a, um, an emotional, physical reset for me. And that's why I enjoy sunrise much more than sunset. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything worse than staying out all day, setting up for your shot and walking away with nothing and then having to drive home for an hour and a half. I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah, I've, I've done that a couple of times, so I've got to admit. Yeah, no, I, I have too, but, um, yeah. but at least if I'm driving home in the morning, an hour and a half, I can stop somewhere and have breakfast yeah. and, and the rest of the day's there, you know. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a different dynamic for me. I do enjoy... I don't mind going out at three o'clock in the morning 
and then coming home tired, yeah. uh, even if I'm tired for the rest of the day, go to bed early. Um, but yeah, no, that buoys me up. It, it does have an impact, I think, on my mood uh, and my outlook. So yeah, once a week, I have to watch the sunrise. Yeah, fair enough. If um, actually, sorry, what do you what do you like to do when you're not out shooting? If I'm not out shooting, then uh, well, we moved into this uh, ancient house, so that consumes an awful lot of time. Uh, but if I'm not out shooting, um, I read quite uh, prolifically. Still, I'm re- I read um, a voracious um, uh, movie watcher. Okay. Uh, so, but but mostly, uh, I, I still. I still read an awful lot, so I think that consumes a lot of time. And and again, if I'm not taking photographs, I'm often, as I said earlier, I'm on Google Maps, and I'm, everything is about um, is about images. It's about the geography. It's about the story of the land. It's yeah. So I'm always I'm always busy. Mm. I think uh, yeah, and of course uh, I I do um, um, a vlog now. So I'm often editing um, video that goes along with the images that I put up. So, so yeah. So you're talking a one episode is a day's edit. Yeah. So you've got to spread that through the week. So it's an hour a night or an hour and a half a night to get that done. Yeah. Takes. Yeah, it does. Does take a bit of time. I know. It's kind of similar with the edits on the. on the podcast, as as I said when we first started, I don't uh, I don't spend a, a massive amount of time editing everything, but mm. you know, cleaning it up, making sure that the intro and the music and all that sort of thing is all together and where it should be, and yeah, it does it does take a little bit of coordination. Plus, then there's all, all and the very slick. <laughs> yeah, no, they're very they're very good. They're very slick. Um, I'm still I'm still all at sea with mine. I'm just I just switch the camera on and then just babble most of the time. Um, Let's see, that's that's why I invite guests, so I don't have to do the babbling. (laughs) Yeah, that's clever. That's clever. (laughs) Yeah, because I've got to say, I don't like the sound of my own voice very much, so I I skip over the bits where I'm talking. (laughs) I don't think anyone does. Well, no, if they do, avoid them. Yes, Uh, that's it. Probably, it's probably... (laughs) Way to go there. Yeah. Uh, Anyone yes. who likes the sound of their own voice, you probably uh, don't want to be me. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, they're probably a politician, but yeah, we'll leave that. Yeah. So, are there any uh, photographers out there that you think uh, need to be spoken to on the on the podcast? Um. Uh, there's um, there's uh, CC Images on Instagram. Yeah. So that's uh, Craig. Um, can't remember his surname. It's in my head. Craig Crossway, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, Crossway. He's he's a he's a he's a great photographer. Um, I think I think my claim to fame is that uh, on his first real shootout, we met each other, and um, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I whipped out my filters and started setting my tripod up with my filters, and he was suitably impressed. He told me that he went out. The following week and bought a set of filters 
So, <laughs> so that, I suppose, is, is a claim to make. But, um, but he's a he's a handy. He's a real good photographer. Yeah, I like, um, I like really, Craig's work a lot. Really nice people. guy. He is. He's he's, he's a great guy. Um, and I suppose uh, uh, there's, there's a there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of American photographers who who, who I speak to quite regularly. So that's uh, Paul Cook. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and there's a so if you're talking around the world, there's a um, there's a couple there's, there's a couple in the well, there's one in Ireland who's a fantastic uh, uh, photographer, and then there's there's, there's, a, there's a there's a female photographer, uh, Lynn Luxon Jones. Okay. Yep. She's uh, she's 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 handy with a camera. She's very very good. Um, she often says she's not as good as anyone else, but you know, uh, her work's as good as any I've seen coming out of the UK. Yeah. Um, she, she's 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 a smart cookie. Um, her long exposures are just yeah sublime. She's a very very good photographer. Again, it's part time, but uh, she's got a healthy healthy uh, following on on YouTube. But she's very very good. I'd recommend her actually. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Her. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure how the time zone difference would would work, but she's uh, she's great. She's really good. Yeah. Uh, she inspired me to to actually create a YouTube channel. In terms of, I liked, I you know, I loved her work, and uh, and that easy way in which she just chatted to camera. She made it look easy, which I which I found out it wasn't when I first tried it. Um, but yeah, no, I'd probably say she's she's pretty good. Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, I got one uh, last question for you, and uh, for many, it's the the most important question I can ask, and that's whether or not you like pineapple on pizza. All ah, right. Okay. Uh, I actually I don't mind pineapple on pizza. Uh, I think if you're going to have pineapple on pizza, you've got to have pineapple and olive. Okay. At the same time. Bit so so you get the sweet in there, salt and, and you get the salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a good to have life in balance. I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and not everyone likes likes olives. So, do you know what I mean? So you, yeah, no, you I get it. Yeah. You can spread the hate. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out uh, to talk to me, Izzy. Um, it's been fantastic to hear about what you've been up to and uh, you know how you do what you do. Where can people find your work? Uh, well, uh, first and foremost, I suppose it's Izzy Abalela on uh, on Instagram. Uh, there's there's only one, <laughs> as long as you don't spell the name wrong. There's there's only one, or on YouTube. Uh, my my website is is a is a bit of a mouthful, and it really needs I need to change the domain. Um, so it's it's photo mead. And then there's a hyphen IA. So it's photo media, but yeah, no, it's awful. Um, forget that. <laughs> uh, I think it's Instagram. I'll put a link in the uh, description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a terrible, it's a terrible uh, domain. I don't know what I was thinking when I when I thought that one up. Uh one too many gins, I think. Fair enough. Um, All right. Thank you, uh, mate. It was uh, it was really good uh, having a chat to you. 
Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work and this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm-hmm.